Hey there, everybody. Brian here again, uh, coming to week two of our hiatus. And uh, this week I decided to go uh, a little different and go for um, more of my favorite movie, more so than my favorite episode. Not saying the episode's bad by any stretch. It's actually a really good conversation. It's uh, back before we had Sam on as a permanent host, uh, back, I think, when we still had Ryan as a maybe host. And Chewie was working a lot, so she wasn't around a lot. And it was really just kind of a me and John time. Uh, and it was really great to finally have an episode where we got all of our friends around the table to talk about a movie that I loved as much as I did. And it was just such a great movie, and it led to such a great conversation. And I'm really excited for all of you to hear it if you missed it when it first came around. So uh, enjoy it. And I will say again, if you're not listening to our new show, Demon Days, be sure to check that out. It is fantastic. Uh, I can't say enough about it. It's just a ton of fun. Um, yeah. So that's everything for right now. Uh, enjoy the show. Yay! Okay, so that high and low bath. Yay! Yay! <laughs> We're back to recording in the morning, so I can't do it again. Uh, hi and welcome to After the Hype with me as always, Brian and John. Howdy. Uh, today we are joined by Ryan again. Hello. Chewy is finally back on the episodes. Hi. And we have Sam. For the first time since... Oh man, what was I here for uh, Maleficent. Maleficent. There it is. Mephilicent. So hi, Sam. Hi. We're going to jump right back into uh, Where Have You Been Doing? Back into it. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> it's been a long time since we've done Where Have You Been Doing. Yeah, it's been a whole week. <laughs> oh my uh, goodness. Yeah, so we're going to do Where Have You Been Doing? I will go first. I'll mention the same thing that Ryan mentioned last week. We saw Straight Outta Compton last night. Uh, Doesn't it make you roll down Burbank, Blair, and NWA? We did listen to NWA. Uh, well, I listened the whole time I was in the shower this morning, yeah. which feels even whiter. Yep. But <laughs> I can't do that shit. Like, seriously, I watched that movie. I love that movie. It was really good. It was really good. But it just reminds me of how white I am. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah. The whole time I was like, I can't relate to any of this. I was I've cruised down no streets in any 6'4s. <laughs> Like, it just never worked out that way for me. Plus, I was too young to, like, really have that emotional of attachment to the king beating. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I, I knew too. it happened, but I didn't understand what was going on. Yeah, it, it really didn't make sense to us at that time. When I was For 10. our age, if it was, like, if this was capstone by the OJ trials, maybe that would be more yes. relevant. Yeah. Um, but, no, I thought the movie was really good. I was, I agree it's a little long. Um, and it feels a little self-serving for two of the members, but not like yeah. a bad way, but you can definitely tell who the producers are on it as you watch the movie. It's like, oh, so these two guys are the heroes. Right. About anyway. <laughs> I'll go next. Okay. Uh, so I just finished, I wanted to talk about this last week, but I hadn't finished it yet. I just finished Mr. Robots. Ten episodes. Ooh. I, I want to watch that. Is oh, that as good as everyone really makes it out good. to be? Yeah, I love it. Uh, it's like the first, it's one of those shows that, uh, it's kind of like fits in with Boardwalk Empire and The Wire where the cinematography is actually so good it takes me out of the story, okay. which isn't a bad thing to me because I've been in film and I love paying attention to the technical aspect of mm -hmm. things. And, um, the story was really well done. That actor's really good who, uh, I forgot the name, uh, his name, but he was in Need for Speed. Uh, recently, yeah, and and plays I a totally different movie. character. That was a terrible movie. It he's was pretty terrible. A, he's an Until Dawn. Yep. 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 Uh, so this is a totally kind of a departure for him. He plays like this kind of totally insane uh, computer hacker and, and computer programmer by day uh, who is addicted to morphine. Oh. And he, hmm. he's just, it's kind of a 10 episode spiral of his mind. Is this a period piece? No. Uh, although it, it really feels like the 80s hacker movies. It's set in, in modern day. And uh, the story is so well done. We, we think it's going one place, and we get down to the last three episodes, and we're like, cool, the last three episodes are going to be this playing out, and it goes somewhere completely different. Hmm. kind of knocked me on my ass, but in a really awesome way. Oh, cool. What's it on? Um, USA. Oh, okay. It was really good. I highly recommend it. Hey, you can afford Spotify because we cut that cord. Yeah, Spotify. <clears throat> All right, for my where have I been doing, I was in Utah for two weeks. And before that, I was working on another feature for three and a half weeks or something. So I've been a little busy. While in the hotel room in Utah, I did watch Need for Speed. Uh, it back. That movie was really bad. I was very disappointed in it. I, I thought it was at least going to be fun bad. No, it was just boring <laughs> Boring bad. <laughs> I thought it was bad with a lot of gems. 
Like, like Michael the, Keaton is kind of a gem in that movie. My, Michael, Michael Keaton, Keaton's in that movie? Yeah, Michael yeah. Keaton's wow. a gem. His sequences are a gem. He definitely did it in one day. Yep. Um, <laughs> like on one set so far one away from the main production. Uh, and the, the guy from Mr. Robot, his like, I'm getting naked, I'm quitting my job scene was amusing. Yep. I didn't understand the motivation. He gets uh, naked? Yeah. And quits How much job. do you see? Nothing. Uh, but full, definitely not watching. Oh, yeah, you do see his butt. You do see his butt. It's kind of cute. Is it his butt or is it a butt devil? I guess it's I his. don't know. Is it? Oh, okay, uh, good. But, <laughs> Maybe I'll watch this again. <laughs> but like anyone's motivation in the movie, like even like the main revenge motivation doesn't make, it's, sure. That's right. It's like the, 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 is that being the whole plot device is pretty weak. Uh, and how he goes about getting his revenge is pretty weak and, the action sequences with the cars are pretty weak. It was like it's no Fast and the Furious. No, right. not even close. Yeah. So what you're saying is basically the Kmart of Fast yeah. and Furious. It, yeah. It's kind of like yeah. Tokyo Drift Fast and Furious. I was like, hey, I, I like was Tokyo very disappointed because I thought it was going like I thought I was going to have a good time, and I just really wish Aaron Paul could get a good movie. Oh, I know. I think he can stay on TV. I, I'm fine with him staying yeah, on TV. He's great on TV. I think it, that's kind of. His arena. Yeah. He's a he's definitely one of those people that needs to grow on you. He's not someone you just yeah. throw into a, a one and done kind of thing. Yeah. And expect people to be on board. Yeah. Well, that's TV why, is I mean, where that's the quality is. We didn't yeah. like Jesse at first. He was supposed to die. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> what do you like, John? Well, I've been listening to podcasts. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I listen to a few of them. There's one that uh, started a little while ago that, as a screenwriter, interests me uh, quite a bit. Is it script notes? No, no. It's uh, uh actually it's called the Blacklist Table Reads. Right, and if too. if you know Blacklist is a service where you can upload your scripts mm-hmm. and they'll they'll have readers who will rate it and do uh, notes on it for you. And it's pretty prestigious because the original Blacklist is kind of a list of the best unproduced screen, screenplays. Mm-hmm. Same same guy who created that. And the Blacklist is like responsible for movies like Looper getting oh, cool. the attention. So there's kind of a, a prestige behind it. And so they started doing a podcast where they'll pick Random scripts that you know have high ratings, high scores, and they'll produce them as an audio play. So basically, they'll have a guy who reads as the narrator, who reads the action text, and they'll have actors come in and read their parts, and they'll grab grab actors from all sorts of places, and they'll basically perform the uh, the movie, and they do it in uh, four parts. So each month is a different movie, and uh, very interesting format. It's 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 split up a little bit in each episode with a you know the usual podcast advertisement, like we're sponsored by this. And mm. that's a little, like, I don't like those in general, but I understand that's kind of important. You need that to be able to pay people and get good equipment. And it sounds really nice. They've got music in the background, kind of like a soundtrack going through. If there, if there's a scene on the street, you'll hear traffic. You know, there, there's really, really a lot of production that goes into it. Mm. I'm listening to one right now where I don't really care much for the movie because it's kind of a coming of age story. And those are really hit or miss. Yeah. And especially in a format where you're listening to an audio play, eh. Yeah. But then, like, the comedy ones are hilarious because they get some really good actors who have good chemistry. And very good production value. I recommend listening to it. Again, warning, if you don't like the genre that they're doing, you're probably not going to listen to it for a month. You know, just... Get a month off. Yeah. But very good. And they're in 30-minute chunks. So very easy to digest. It's a one-way podcast. Yeah. That makes sense if you do a lot of podcasts back and forth. Like to work. Never mind. <laughs> Makes sense to me, goddamn. I get it. No, that's a good term. I just didn't know what it meant right away. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I've always called them for a long time. We'll get there. Pretty much me and one other person. So. One way podcast. I like it. <laughs> yeah, it works. Ours is a two way podcast. This is a two way round trip podcast. Yeah. Sam, <laughs> round trip podcast. Go, Sam, go. <laughs> okay, so this is the first Saturday where we haven't had Hannibal, you guys. I'm oh, really struggling. Oh, <laughs> did you, oh man. Did you get the text? I'm hungry. I did. Uh, I thought of you. No, I'm I'm in deep oh. deep mourning right now. Like oh. horrific. It's terrible. God, we, finale. We don't, we don't. We deserve. We we screwed us. We screwed ourselves. We this was the best show. It was amazing. It was beautiful. The ending was heart wrenching. I'm still a little. I, I, honestly, though, I'm a little upset this season. They hewed so close to the source material of mm-hmm. Red Dragon that I feel like what made the show so special kind of got lost in the shuffle in these back the back mm-hmm. half of the season. Um, that being said, it's still just like so much better than anything else that's on. I feel like though, without that first half of the season, the sticking stricter to the source material had been a problem because they really set up a lot of thematic elements just randomly in the first half of the season that just really paid off kind of in big ways with like the firefly and the moth and all that. And you're just like, oh yeah. It's just brutal though that we'll never get a fourth season because it also set up so much that won't get paid off. It's like the end of Pushing Daisies where my heart just hurt because there was so much else still out there. There's no chance of getting picked up by anybody? 
probably not at this point. All the actors have been, they're on to different projects now. Their contracts Brian's, are over. Yeah. Every service has passed on it. Brian Amazon's committed to American Gods now. And Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. That at least makes me excited. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fucking love that book. And he is probably going to be the perfect person for that. Given his style, yeah. his yeah. just he is so entrenched in style. And that's what hurts is that there's just not that kind of TV. Like, yeah. no. I don't know. Like, it's TV for smart people. That's what, I mean, that's what's so interesting. It surprised me so much that it was on NBC. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the other problem. Like, people don't realize how much good can come off of network television, which is where Brian Fuller has blessedly been working for, like, his last two series. Is that where American Gods is? No, American Gods is on stars, so it's just going to be titties everywhere. Titties, 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 titties. Right? Like, I don't know. I mean, I'd watch that show. Stars, so, I mean, <laughs> stars is the premiere. Right? Like, like, we're talking about American Gods. American right? Gods, more like American, American Bobs. Right? Yeah. I never yeah. actually read the book. Where would they put titties in? I don't know. I mean, it's there's stars, space though. Titties. I feel like no, there's, just there's always room for titties. <laughs> titties. <laughs> I mean, that's what Brian Fuller can bring to this. The stylistic titties. <laughs> Do you like broke titties? <laughs> Goodness. But yeah, no, yeah, I agree. Yeah, Hannibal so being done is a very sad thing, and I debated yeah. making that as mine, the finale. If you it was... had taken it, I would have beaten you. I would have been like, stop! <laughs> yeah, no yeah. podcast. That, that... <laughs> Shut your dirty little mouth! <laughs> that finale was so... So romantic, for lack of a better term. I never realized so... violence could be so oh, romantic. That's why everyone loves Hannibal Lecter so much, because he's yeah. such a romantic villain. It's never more apparent than in this version of it. Yeah, yeah. it's so mannered. I think it's like it's like Wes Anderson gone really, really dark. But there's still <laughs> that sort of, like, mannered. Just, it's so palatable. I don't know. Like, it kind of made me want to eat a human. <laughs> just, I'm, scooting, I'm scooting away no, from I the microphone right now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, haven't, I haven't watched the show yet, because... We just, I just haven't, and I regret that. But I always loved Hannibal so much in the movies, and I was always attracted to him on some primal level. And I know a lot of people well, thought he was creepy. Well, now he's actually attractive. He's not yeah. old, so... Anthony Hopkins is an attractive old man. There's more attractive old men out there, though. Yeah, no, not, he would not. But he would not like but be in I'm my top. I'm just saying, 10. like in the realm of the character, <laughs> like, bangable old dudes. But I'm yeah. not talking about just like physicality. I'm talking about the but that Hannibal can't. He's romantic. Yeah, yeah, he's attractive. Absolutely. So I yeah. can totally relate to all of that. that I want to watch the show. See, but yeah. that Han that Hannibal can't make you believe in fluid sexuality. That this one can. All right, we're gonna move on right there. That, that's a good point right there. Well, we're gonna jump into today's episode. That Speaking, I'm just not sure if fluid sexuality, sexuality meant like I go anywhere or if there's blood involved. There's just fluids involved. Little so moving on, <laughs> moving on to today's episode. Uh, today we are talking about Ex Machina, which is easily one of my favorite movies of the year. Oh my and god, it involves a lot yes. with sexuality. Yes, yes, yes it, does. it does. Lots of fluid sexuality. Not so much fluid. Yeah, I'm gonna say it anyways. Biometrics. <laughs> <It makes me laughs> <happy. laughs> I don't know why I like saying fluid. Say it again, honey. Fluid. Uh, so I can only the moist. Oh, that one I don't moist like. fluids. <laughs> uh, the fact that John walked away from his microphone is going to make that sound so much weirder. Oh, yeah. He's just in the back of the room yelling moist fluids. <laughs> moist fluids! <laughs> okay, so today's movie, Ex Machina, it cost $15 million to make. Uh, came from Alex Garland, one of the biggest writers working today, who finally got to make his own movie, which Yay. made me very excited. Um, it ended up making twenty-five million stateside, then that's with an additional—that's it—an additional, oh. additional ten worldwide, which brought it up to thirty-six, which means it doubled its budget and then a little bit more. So that's good. That is enough for him to get another film, especially I really when he thought it made more. more though. No, um, I mean it's it's R-rated sci-fi that's basically a play. Like the audience isn't that big on this. That's true. Um, You're not going to take then, your kids to this movie. Yeah, You're like, no. look at the robot. He should have waited until after Star Wars when his actors were... <laughs> yeah, when all of a sudden everyone in his movie is gargantuan. Yeah, that would have yeah. been a smart move. He got the, the old cabin in the woods syndrome. Yep. Uh, where is this? Okay, so our user review comes to us from Metacritic again. This one comes from uh, Cussy Gonzalez. Uh, that's K-U-S-S-Y. Is that his real name or his handle? <laughs> I, I'm hoping it's both. Cushy. My name is so awesome, it's my handle. Uh, I'm just going to jump right into it. This review is um, a little bit more negative than I would have gone. If you have at least four connecting brain cells, you will find this movie excruciatingly painful and slow. You understand what they're trying to slay, say slash do, but they never quite say slash do it. It's like listening to someone speak a second language. You squint... Listen and watch very closely, but then you realize 
It's not a language barrier. The person's just a complete moron. Terrible. I bet this person really loves Christopher Nolan films. <laughs> For a good time, go see Michael Bay's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> I do like how much... I actually like Christopher Nolan. I know, but <laughs> Our there's... Our podcast there's, shits on him constantly. Why? There's people who like Ooh. Christopher Nolan, and then there's people that love it because it makes them feel smart. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the breakdown today is going to come to us from Sam, which I don't think she was aware of. Uh, you said the... it like 20 minutes ago. Well, you didn't know 21 minutes ago. Okay. Tell me I'm wrong. Oh, that was a great eye roll. No one got to see that. <laughs> well, it is recording. We we did get it. Look on YouTube for the yeah, behind the yeah, scenes. Yeah, eventually when we so get I'm to it. doing the breakdown of this movie? Yeah, but you only have 30 seconds to do it. Okay, so but... this guy that's a ginger has to do a Turing test for Oscar Isaac to make sure that his cute lady robot is actually sentient. Not Daenerys. Huh, no, That's why I always refer to her. Well, no, because it's actually a talented woman. You're Sam's times. Yeah, no, it's a it's an actual talented actress, Alicia Vikander. Anyway, so the Turing test works, and the robot gets pretty mad that she was created to be a slave. She hates Oscar Isaac, and then she leaves them all on an island and goes to live her own life freely, and it's awesome. The end. Damn it. Aww. Never give him thirty seconds again. That's just too much fucking time. Apparently, Sam yeah. was just really good at leaving out all details. Well, I think you, you can't put in details when you only have 30 seconds. Yeah. That's the whole yeah. point of this thing. Ryan knocked it out of the park last week. Sam did good this week. That's it. You've got to start giving for everyone. five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> but where we should start on this thing uh, is a little bit difficult. Because it's really... I think we should start kind of where I think the movie starts. Start with the entry point of Dom Gleason. He doesn't know anything. We don't know anything. He's an actor who's been kind of like on the cuffs for a while now of like really getting bigger. And I feel like he is... This year alone is going to help him a lot by, you know, jumping in Star Wars and this and everything. Is he in Star Wars 2? He is in Star Wars 2. Mm-hmm. Wow. Poor guy. I mean, uh, <laughs> Alex Berlin. Yeah. If he had uh, if he just waited till this year, like, I'm just going to hold on to this movie for a year, yeah. then release it, and then all of a sudden his cast is gargantuan. Huge Well, maybe stars. he didn't want to rely on Star Wars for it. He, I can understand if he wanted the movie to hopefully get respect on its own terms. Well, I feel yeah. like that, that plan would have backfired because then everybody like, that movie where all the Star Wars actors are. Let's just watch Star Wars. I kind of want to watch Star Wars. Yeah. Like, or, you, would, you would just drown out the movie. Or you'd get all these people that would see it for the cast, <laughs> and then they'd realize, oh, it's not spoon-fed to me, and they'd get angry. That's true. It, it has not- no lightsabers. <laughs> yeah. that time drive This happened. is a thinking man's movie. <laughs> Fuck. Um, but I do want to talk about Donald Hoglison, because he is kind of like the entry point character of this movie, which he's done now a couple of times. He did that in Frank as well. Like He kind of plays this character well. Oh, he's like, totally the, the guy that the audience can relate to. Yeah, he yeah. plays a really good, relatable dude. Like, oh, I can see myself being this guy. Although he plays it a little bit smarter this time around. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he plays the sad, the boy you feel bad for in Dread. He does, yeah. With his, uh, his, his aperture eyes. eyes. Yeah. I like that his character is kind of a smart idiot. Well, he's used to being the smartest man in the room, probably. I don't think he is. They revealed it at the end that that's kind of a lie. Yeah. Yeah. He thinks he's smarter than he is. And he's kind of a forgotten... I mean, he's like a... He's like the guy on the wall that you don't really... Yeah, he's he's definitely a wallflower. He's He's he's, isolated. He's a talented coder. He's not the best coder in the world, but he's good at his job. He's somebody who'd always have a career, but nobody's going to, like light up the stratosphere like he's just that guy but i think that's kind of what makes him relatable yeah we take the journey with him even through finding out that he's not the smartest guy in the world we like we we start with him thinking he's really smart and then we meet uh oscar isaac yeah who's way smarter yeah Yeah. um he does a very good job that actor of trying to kind of fake it with his language like the way he talks very forced yeah and it's a very interesting kind of tick that at first it's like wow god what a what a jerk I was yep. like, wait, I would ignore persons like this. I know a yeah, lot of think that they're like way that. smarter. Yeah. And I've done that myself and felt like kind of realized what I was doing. Like there, there's kind of a, a relatability that pulls into that. Yeah. And I like that uh I like the way that he interacts with uh what's her name? Alicia Vikander. Vikander, yeah. I like the way that he interacts with her because like this the very first second he meets her, it's like, oh, he wants to bang that robot. Of course. Oh, wait, yeah. Yeah. And I I like that his Performance is subtle enough to where like it, it feels honest. Like it feels like like I don't know why I'm attracted to that robot, but I'm definitely attracted to that robot. And he can't for the life of him speak straight. Another thing that he did throughout the entire movie, where he can't just out and say it. He can't out and say anything. Like it's all got to be this roundabout talk. But I think that's him trying to sound smarter than he is. Yeah. And it's it's like. It's but he, but it, it breaks down when they when they interact, which is so great. And it which, breaks down especially when she starts telling you, I I know when you're lying every yeah. time. I think he does a great job, and th- this is going to be already jumping ahead to kind of spoil the movie, but... Well, spoiler alert. The idea is that he was selected 
by Oscar Isaac to to you know be the guy that meets uh, Ava the robot. And I, I kind of think he he's playing the character that kind of falls in love with all the girls he meets that gives him Absolutely. attention. Yeah. Right. Oh, you'd this buy guy, that. This guy watches yeah. hentai and doesn't go to strip clubs because he gets his heart broken every time. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. The, the second <laughs> he has to pay the woman and never walk away is just he can't and we handle it. Totally yeah. get that from this yeah, from absolutely. performance. Yeah. However much that's very true for his character, I can't imagine that any of us, if we were in this situation, wouldn't be completely entranced by her immediately. Yeah, because we're all nerds. <laughs> There's a lot so. of people who think that's weird. Yeah. Like, but, I mean, there's a difference between, like, becoming kind of, like, obsessed with her as, like, a being and a robot and going, she's fascinating and I am, but there, and then putting everything on the line to try to break her out. Like, yeah. It, oh, yeah. He, he doesn't, he, he buys, he proves the Turing test immediately by going, I need to break her out of here. Because that's, that's when he jumps at, she's not a robot. Well, yeah. he immediately goes to the hero realm. Like, he's, like, we see him, he sees himself as super intelligent and then he immediately goes into the, I'm going to be the hero, I'm going to save the princess scenario yeah. in his own mind where he's being super romantic. Yeah. And then we got Oscar Isaac, which is the enlightened one. Well, I mean, yeah. I don't know. Going she even dresses a as a kind of there. a, I wouldn't say princess, but definitely dresses as a please help me sort of kind of. Oh, yeah. She, she knows what she's doing. But the thing yeah. is, I like that she knows what she's doing because it, it feels like it's playing into everything for Donald Hall Gleason's character. Like, like both... Her and Oscar Isaac are just playing him the whole time. Yeah. And I, and I like that on my first watch, I didn't fully catch on to that till eh, about two thirds in. Was like, oh, he's getting fucked every yeah. which way. Yeah. And then, but like now watching it now, second, third, fourth time that I've seen it, it's like, oh, yeah, you can totally tell from the very get go. Like he is just a sucker. And it, yep. but it doesn't feel like you're, it doesn't feel like you're getting cheated as an audience member. Like it feels like this is. Well, we're not spending the entire movie being like, this sucker's getting cheated. Yeah. It's more like, Oh man, they're they're really messing with him. Yeah. Like, you feel bad for him. Like, well, how did you feel the first time you watched it? Because I'm not gonna lie, my first uh, watch, I wanted him to get her out. So did I. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh no. no. Yeah. Like, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first watch, the, the he's way more sympathetic. Like, I feel like, and the second watch, I immediately just went, "Oh, you're a patsy." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. No, the first time I bought into it. See, I didn't, but it's also it's just like. It's so, he and Oscar Isaac are so, like, the two type of guys that make me glad I don't have to date anymore. <laughs> like, that really, ma like, overly macho, I'm so right. fucking smart, Oscar Isaac yeah. guy. And then, um, and then Donald Gleason's just that sniveling, like, I hate that, like, white knight. Like, those guys that think that <laughs> oh, they should save yeah, ladies. Yeah, I and, know. Like, overly jealous. And, right. They're the oh. same people that say, oh, the nice guys never win. Right. Oh. We, you don't win because we know you're secretly a creeper. Yeah. That's just, like, really, because he was simpering so much the first time he met her. We laugh because it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Because he was simpering not over the technology, but because she was beautiful and moved so fluidly. And it was just like, and it's it's definitely a personal thing. Like, yeah. I just cannot stand that type of dude at all. Yeah. And I was just like, go, like, ugh. But then that speaks a testament, like, that's a testament to his acting style in this. To how because, good he yeah. actually did yeah. this. Because he Cause, nailed that well, character. Because there, there were moments where, I'm, I agree with you, like, there's moments where it's like, you know, you say, like, that line where he's like, I, I, I'm a good guy, I think. I was like, no, you're not. She knows you're lying. She's not actually saying it. Interesting. He's but, a good guy in his own story. But he's a good guy in his own story. Like, yeah. there was a very interesting kind of... Alex Garland really knew the source material. Like, yeah. he was... There was... I mean, there's obviously a thesis to this movie. Yeah. It's yeah. a very feminist yeah. movie. And and I think, like, Alex Garland was so careful in how he laid out... I mean, they're all archetypes. They're not yeah. characters. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know? I mean, it's... But it's so beautiful how human they are and how it all plays out. And you know these people and kind of hate all of them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's kind of interesting so. that this wouldn't have really worked 30 years ago because Oscar Isaac's character didn't exist. Like the guy who's so smart and a jerk about it. Yeah. Like, well, they did, but we didn't know about them. Well, he's like a smart jock. Like he's the kid who would, as a kid, if he's like, I'm going to start my own tech company, he would have gotten his ass kicked. Yeah. And he wouldn't be such a dick. Because before Steve Jobs and all that. Yeah, things, exactly. Yeah. Like the Silicon yeah. Valley yeah. type. Right. Yeah. Now there's such a thing. That yeah. We, yeah. Um, the one last thing I want to talk about Dom Hall Gleason before we move on to Oscar Isaac, because I feel like that's giving me the Sorry, natural Sorry, I've been interjecting the no, whole no, time. No, no, totally fine. That's part um, of podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about the scene where he thinks he's a robot. Oh my god, so uh, good. Because I think that's probably my favorite moment in the movie. Which it didn't used to be, but on like, I think it was my third or fourth watch. It was like that second where he realizes that he's just getting fucked every which way, where he actually like, holy fuck, am I a robot too? Where yeah. he's totally <laughs> lost like his connectivity to his surroundings. 
Like, oh, yeah. He's totally, he's so easily manipulated that he can lose his own humanity. Which is partially why I think uh, Oscar Isaac's character picked him, because he's that easily manipulated. But I think at that moment, I mean, he does pull the plug the next morning, but it's like, yeah, it's definitely time to. You won. The turn test succeeded. Yeah. Way too well. <laughs> yeah. You, you kind he of, almost you chose died. too perfect of a guy. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, the slashing your wrist and punching a mirror. Yeah. You're, he didn't punch it. He wiped it. Oh, that's right. I thought he punched it. No. No, he wiped it and then punched he wiped, it. He, ah, did, he did punch yeah, it. I don't remember the punching. I he just did. remember the It wiping. cuts to black like, right after he punches it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But it's just like, but I love that sequence, that moment. Because he, I never had that thought in the, while I was watching the movie. Not the movie. at all. No, but it. When he has that thought, it's like, oh, that makes sense. Uh, sure. I can All see right. him thinking that. I can see the movie going this way. Like, you suddenly think, like, you know what? He probably could be. Yeah. I and mean, then you're relieved that he's not, but you're like, yeah, because yeah, I, I, could, I could probably. That's I, when the audience is first on board, like, man, this dude is is done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he lost. Yeah. I don't think he knew he was playing a game, but he, right. knows, he now knows and knows he lost. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay, well, let's move into Oscar Isaac, because I feel like that's going to be the best place to go next before we talk about Ava. Um, like, what you were talking about with um, Tesla guy, I forgot his name, Elon, Elon Musk. Musk, and how, like, I feel like his character is like a combination of Elon Musk and the guy from Google. Yeah. yeah. Except yeah. Elon Musk admits that AIs are a bad idea. This is Elon Musk if he goes, yeah, I want to totally do that, and I'm going to. Yeah. He's a great mashup of all our current Silicon Valley characters. Like Absolutely, yeah. yeah. He is kind of like, he. they took like the worst aspects of all yep. of them and threw it into one character. Yeah. But it's also by casting, because you could do that with a guy and have him be the most unrelatable son of a bitch like, that you never want to see. But by putting Oscar Isaac in that role, it suddenly goes, man, he's a dick. I'd totally grab a beer with him, though. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and he could feed you a lot of tripe, but all of a sudden you'd be like, uh, I can see where you're coming from, man. Yeah. Let's yeah. have a beer. Like, yeah, he, he really, he comes off as the most relatable <laughs> asshole that would be a terrible person that you'd love hanging out with. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like we're, we're on board, too, with Donald Gleason. He's like... Even though he's a dick to us from the start, we still want to be his friend and impress him. Yeah, he really, and I don't think any other actor. Well, I'm sure there's other ones, but like, really, he's probably the best choice for this sort of character. He's right the now. smartest, coolest man in the room. Absolutely. Yeah, well, and, the, and he not, knows that. Adam. You're intimidated, but uh, but the role also seduced. Well, I mean, and just for the intimidation factor, the fact that the first time we meet him, he's punch, he's working out, he's hitting a, a punching bag. Like, yeah. Just immediately, yeah. he's physically intimidating. Yeah. Like, just right from the get-go. Because he's a nerd, but he's working out. Yep. Like, and that's, like, that's obviously very intentional. Like, it's a little bit on the nose, but not, like, in a bad way. But it it, it does a good job of making him, he's the smartest man in the room, and he's a jock. And Oscar Isaac does a, a very good job of uh, the nuance here. Because he down, like, he plays it subtle. Yeah. Even in kind of the wackier moments, he kind of downplays everything, which is hard to do. And it's kind of a testament to his acting in this, that... This role could just easily be campy, could be wacky, could just go too far. It in could one be direction. a Bond villain. Yeah. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. Easily. Like, it, on paper, he's a Bond villain. Yeah. But this whole thing uh, was one step from a Bond movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and he just—it's just believable. You buy, buy it, and I mean, I, I'm starting—I'm starting to get on board the Oscar Isaac fan train because. I'm well on there. You yep. the I bought a ticket immediately. I haven't seen enough. I haven't seen I enough. I saw Inside Lewin Davis. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll see anything he's in. Well, that's where I boarded, right? Yeah. And now I'm yeah. okay with being on the train because of this, too. Like, So yeah. it's like, oh, cool. I don't have to get off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> After I looked at his IMDb before Lewin Davis, I was just like, what? Why did I fucking never notice this guy before? He's fantastic. <laughs> he's been in things. We'll see if he can overcome the, uh, the makeup job that they did to him in Apocalypse. Uh, I hope so. I'm if he can act through that makeup, he's got a career. Yeah, more, <laughs> more like Apocalypse. Yeah. Oh, uh, let's not start no. that train, because that just starts like angry Chewy. Um, well, talking about Oscar Isaac, so when, uh, did anybody watch behind the scenes on like the DVDs or anything like that? Mm-mm. We didn't buy that. We didn't rent that version. Okay. <laughs> uh, Chewy and I watched about the first half of it last night, just because I usually like doing that before we do a podcast, just to see if there's anything in there that'd be kind of cool to bring out. And this yeah. thing, there's one thing that Alex Garland said about him, which I thought was really cool. Uh, he says that you'll give him a script, and there'll be it's going to be a very serious script, but he'll find the humor in lines that was just not there. And for a role like this, it's so important because yeah. it makes him relatable. By having him say these completely ridiculous things in kind of a funny, joking tone, it suddenly now makes him not the smartest asshole in the room, but the smartest guy in the room, you kind of want to impress. And th- yeah, it takes us back to like, oh, he's human. All right, cool. He can be his friend again. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's also a tactic that these people that who are this way, that we want to impress, but we don't like, they're jerk. We know. It, like, it's a very, like, he understands psychology. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
And uh, I like that at the end of the film when he's kind of putting his cards on the table, he's like, "All right, dude, like I, I gotta be honest with you, I've been fucking with you the whole time." Like, yeah. and, and like I love the <laughs> the question of, "Did you model her after my porn searches?" Like, he's like, "I'm sorry, man. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I, this was all it designed to sense. fuck you up." And yeah, that totally makes sense. And I like that it still feels different. Like he feels like he's almost. When he's like kind of dropped the shroud and now he's being honest, it still feels like the same guy, but you can tell that he's now no longer playing him. Right. And, and there's definitely a difference to his character there, and like that again speaks volumes to Oscar Isaac because I think that's awesome. I also love how terrified he is of his own creations. Oh yes. Yeah. Because he he knows what he's doing. Yeah. He's a smart person. Yeah. So you have to you can you should be scared. It's like when you jump out of a plane when you're skydiving. You should be scared, but you can be in control the whole time. Yeah, it's kind of. I'll go Jurassic Park. John Hammond knows to be afraid of the dinosaurs. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and it, it, this is kind of similar. Like, he knows you, what you he You set made. up all the ways to control it so that you can control your fear, but then your ego still gets in the way. Yeah. And I also like that this is kind of moving into Ava a little bit, not entirely yet, but I like that he is the controlling father. Yeah. And she hates him like a teenager would, because that's kind of where they're at. He's been doing this for so long <laughs> that where the... Because he says that like, he... Kind of downloads the the brain. The memories are gone, but it's still kind of aging. So it's kind of that idea that she would be kind of like that thirteen year old mindset of it's like fuck you, dad. It's like she's a fucking robot and can murder the shit out of him. It makes the sexual implications that much creepier too. Oh, totally. It's that's what's so weird is there is that like father figure issue at play, and he does such a good job of writing that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. It's so creepy. It's, yeah. Yeah. Because he's definitely their creator and their dad, but at the same time, it's like, well... And then he has he... sex with the one that can't talk. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That's so funny. I, I want to talk about her, but I don't really know how to really bring her up. Her character is the saddest one in the movie to me. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know if this is the right time to bring it in, but uh, now that we're talking about it, I think of it yesterday when we were watching it, but just like the mirroring between this movie and Frankenstein is actually amazing. Oh, it's definitely there. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Because like when I was started saying enlightened versus romantic with the whole philosophy from you know the Victor- Victorian age, which inspired Frankenstein. Yeah. And in how in Frankenstein the monster is the romantic, while Frankenstein's the enlightened one. It's flipped in this movie. She's the enlightened one. They're the romantics, and they're all like totally driven by emotion at this point, and she's just trying to get away. I don't think Oscar Isaac is driven by emotion. No. I think he is and he isn't. Like, he's definitely enlightened, he's but he's... Driven, he's driven by power. He's driven yeah. by power, but also by ego. Well, he says it very early in the movie that he wants to be God. Like, yeah. By, by the mis- which by is the a mis- very romantic game. thing. That is not enlightened. <laughs> no, that's true. But I, I still don't think that's... That's not romanticism. Like, that is pure... Do you know what I mean with the difference between enlightened and romantic? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I, I still don't think it's the... This is more like id ego and super ego, though. I mean, this is a little bit more Freudian, I think, yeah. than all of that, whereas he's very much sort of unfettered super ego. This idea that yeah. like our higher consciousness is should govern everything, but you need... Right. Weirdly, the robot's the most human. But I, then... I still think... like. Gleason's character is definitely the most romantic. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's Absolutely. like... I'm not saying these themes aren't in the movie. Yeah, I, just, yeah. I don't think it was Oscar Isaac the one who's the romantic. I, I, it, it's definitely more Gleason. But, yeah. yeah, I didn't yeah. say that that wasn't true. Yeah. But I still think that they are more romantic while she's the most enlightened one in the film. That could be. Because she's not driven by any any like emotion other than, I want to be free. True. She wants to break, yeah. break her bonds, and they are both symbols of her bonds. Whether or not it's her father figure slash creator or the man who wants to, like, rise her up to this, like, pinnacle of, like, his idea of femininity, which is really all he sees her as. Milady. Yeah. (laughs) Like, they're both chains. And she can't deal with either of those and have her freedom. She needs to break away from both. Though she has to use the romantic one to get out of the other one. Although her story also follows, like, a fairy tale sort of like Little Mermaid or something almost to a T. You know, this sort of acting sort of rashly to get what she needs. Oh, yeah. I think you you nailed it at the top when you said these aren't characters, they're archetypes. And the same is true of the story. This is, like, such (laughs) an old story. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just really told in a great modern way. Talking, moving into Ava about this, uh, I like that Ava is a character that we've seen multiple, multiple times. But they still did a good job, especially with her and the way that they, they did the special effects and everything like that, where she feels completely, like, fresh and new. And it's not until you actually start kind of like thinking about it. It's like, oh, no, I've seen this before. This is just kind of a whole new way of telling it mm-hmm. that is 
at least in my opinion, way more engaging. It's yeah. the best version of yeah. that sort of, is this the human story? Yeah. Yeah. It brings it down to like the like primordial urges, however much I like to bring that up. Like however much technological and futuristic this is, you still get down to those base emotions. Each one of them is represents a base emotion. Fluid. <laughs> <laughs> those fluid emotions uh yeah and i, I like uh especially with her uh just talking more just kind of like about her i like how they they designed not just like the special effects which we'll move kind of into the design of the movie after this thing because i think there's a lot to talk about with that um but with her specifically i like the way that they they went about casting her i like that uh the whole story of how she painted her face to look like a robot and sent in a audition tape to get it and like oh, she'll work. Um, I think that's hilarious. <laughs> and then I also like that the they specifically wanted her because she was a, a ballerina, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the way that she can carry herself was very robotic because she can do that. And Chewie made the joke when we watched the thing. like I kind of like that they just related ballerinas to robots. Uh, <laughs> well, it's but, all about control. It is, and she nails that. Like just her, like her, the way she physically moves throughout this film. Oh, amazing. She was it's so impressive. fucking good. It's incredible. And, like, I was talking to, again to Trudy yesterday when we were watching this, and it's like, she's going to be up for an Academy Award this year, whether it's for this or for the um, the one that she has with, uh, what's his name? Eddie Redmond. Uh, I never remember the name of that. The, I don't remember the name the of that. The transsexual movie. Yes, oh, the, the Danish girl. Yes, yeah. Whether it's for this or that, it, she'll, she'll be up for something. And she's just, she's lighting off like a rocket right now, and she should be. Uh, well, it should be said that. Playing a robot is actually not as easy as it sounds on paper. What's interesting, though, is how wooden she was in Man from Uncle. I, she just doesn't have a terribly expressive face. Mm-hmm. And I think that was to her benefit. Hmm. Like, I mean, she kind of got lost in the silliness of the movie. But I, feel, I didn't I mean, see and, Man from Uncle. It could so just be to the also the direction. Like, yeah. she yeah. takes direction well, and I'm assuming yeah. she didn't get any in Man from Uncle. Yeah. Where is I that, I mean, was this Alex, Garland, Alex Garland's first directorial movie? Yeah. It was. Yeah. Yeah. First of very many, I'm guessing. Hopefully. I think it's a very yeah. good choice for a directorial to debut. Robot. It's not yeah. a knock on her. She just no, no. doesn't, you know. No, but I think for, for this role, that helped. Yeah, absolutely. In a, in a big way. Because, I mean, I think, that, I think not having a very huge expression face works for the robot for subtlety. Because her subtlety is just through and through. And Off through. the charts. Insane, yeah. yeah. And like just like the littlest things throughout this entire movie especially with her, is I think part of the reason why I love this movie as much as I do and why I think it's my favorite of the year so far. I mean, we'll see what else comes out. Uh, but, like, the little things where she's curious and she does, like, the the dog head tilt. Like, just all these little things throughout the entire movie is, like, she immediately brings you in. And that's why when you are you feel like Dom Hall Gleason, the second you meet her, it's like, nah, I like that robot. Yep. Well, that's also a tactic. With, by totally. Her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like Both she, by her and by the filmmaker to make you feel this way. But it, it, by making her feel so innocent and childlike, it's just like you want encourage his need to protect her. And that's what yeah. uh, Alex Garland said in the, like the making up thing. He's like, I wanted the I wanted the audience to believe why Dom Hall Gleason wants to protect her, and I want the audience to kind of feel the same way. Yeah. Well, in the first time we see her too, like her stomach is completely exposed. It's the yep. only yeah. part that's not She's covered fragile. in flesh. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also like it kind of removes some of her humanity too. Yeah. Because this is, I mean, like in Tai Chi and stuff, we always say that this is where like we're stored, like all right. of our energy and stuff. Mm-hmm. So the fact that she doesn't have. I don't know, it was such an interesting statement when that's what they chose to have exposed for Yeah, her. and I, I liked, uh, especially with her character, we'll kind of move, jump around or wherever we want to talk about it, but I love the uh, the end of the movie when she kind of makes her decision, which I think is kind of something we should talk about while talking about her. But uh, specifically when she's like, all right, I'm heading out, and she needs to put skin on everywhere, just that whole scene is just fucking beautiful. I love everything about her performance. I love everything about like going into it. I love, it's just totally birth. Yeah. Yeah. She's it, making herself. Yeah. That's actually, I, I love this movie so much, but that scene, every time I watch it, takes me out of the world. Just because it's like, it is kind of unbelievable in a, in a sci-fi movie that so far I've been on board with all the technology. And then oh, you she's like, the skin part? When she's like, starts peeling the skin, and though, oh, it goes back on her seamlessly, and it's a different color, and it fits her body. Even though it, we saw in a couple shots before that it would that wouldn't be the case yeah her boobs yeah. would be completely wrong <laughs> but that wasn't even the part i was, ta- I was talking about like we see her she gets her arm broken off at, at one point and we see her yeah. take a, an arm off another robot and put it on her own and it's kind of like the skin is flappy and doesn't really fit her body well and then you know she starts peeling the skin off of an asian model and then one second later cut to oh she has brown wavy hair instead of black straight hair and she has a leash of a skin 
that I don't know. It's a terrible thing to complain about. I know, but no, that's, that's my no. I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but it's still kind of. I mean, it really. I feel, it, it, I feel like as it being maybe the one buy-in, I was willing to accept it because sure. the rest of the yeah. movie, you get you get like I guess one like, common conception is one buy-in, a major buy-in for a movie like that for any movie. And Especially this is, like original sci-fi, like original yeah, sci-fi, you, you get, you get one, one kind of yeah. gimme, and this is the kind of the gimme. And when she was peeling, I could see like, like weird, like techy type stuff on the underside of the skin. So yeah. I was like, there was kind of, I was able yeah, to buy into it. Maybe it like took a second to assimilate. Like it would yeah. assimilate <laughs> and graft. I like it. You're gonna was, be this color. I just invented, <laughs> well, I yeah, just invented my own technology. I love it. When the when the other when the other robot was peeling her skin off, I was like, how did you repair it? But then, but then when. Ava was pulling the skin. You could see stuff on the back that was kind of like yeah. ridden, lined, yeah. like, like, like a chipset back there, like a polymer, like kind of like a nanobot thing. I'm like, I, I read into it and I was like, okay, I can buy no. it. I can buy it. The skin would actually graft onto the host programming. So that's the, that's the only scene in the movie that I need my friends to explain to me why that technology works, love, but everything else I'm on board. I, I was very fascinated by that scene. I was like, yeah. oh, that's so cool. I love the moment of hesitation that she had of like, kind of, I guess these would have been like her sisters or her predecessors. Like, what that hesitation of borrowing from them. Yeah. And like, but it was also, I don't know, it was just like this wonderful process where you realize like how she justified it or what she must have had to go through. Because there was well, that they were also in Because at the end, the Asian girl looks at her and smiles yeah. after yeah. she takes all the skin. So it's like, even though that, they say, kind of show that those aren't supposed to be still conscious, but then she is at the end. Well, like, they've, she's, all, like, they've supported. all been working toward this. And yeah. you see it when they were like kind of railing yeah. and punching the walls and stuff. They've all been working toward this. And I think it's like that that evolution or there's like this sort of like a sisterhood. Like mm-hmm. we built this for you. That was cool. And it was understated. And you, get yeah. and yeah. it, they, you get out. We all get out. Yeah. And it's that they don't blatantly say it, which makes it that much better. Yeah. Uh, and I also like that because you have to think about it. The way that he describes like the way the brain has been working this whole time. They're all kind of the same person. Yeah. To a certain degree. Cause he, well, that's what you said before. Is yeah. Like it's still it, the same mind. It just he erases the memories. He erases the memories and other things and upgrades the mind. So like the, the base programming is still basically the same yeah. throughout all of them. So they're all kind of... It'd almost be thing. like sisters. It'd be yeah. Almost, yeah. yeah, it really kind of works out. And it's the same thing when humans get amnesia. Your personality is still there. Yeah. You might not be able to remember your things, but you're still that person how yeah. amnesia works. So then they're, they're, with each model, the personality has been evolving. So those emotions that were created with the memories are still there. Yeah, absolutely. They just don't know why they have them. Right. Um, but I want to talk about her, uh, the ultimate decision here, and then we can move into like, the design of the movie. But okay. I want to talk about, because when I watch this movie, and feel free to disagree with me here, I think that, uh, I agree with what Oscar Isaac was saying, where she felt nothing for Domhnall Gleeson the whole time and is just a means to an end to get out. Yep. Uh, some people say that no, she probably actually liked Dom Hoggleson, but she realized that at the end of it, she just had to cut the dead weight to get out. Yeah. No way. I, I think that there was never a decision. Her decision had been made before she met him for the first time. Anyone that would ever treat her like a robot didn't deserve to yeah, live. Yeah, that's what I kept saying the whole time. Like, even if she did like him, or if any any sort of emotion she had towards him is negated by the fact that she wanted freedom. Yeah, she so she cannot have human. anyone that knows she's an AI. Yeah. Like, she yeah. just can't. He's a liability. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think it was... I think the second that she saw him is a means... Like, the second she saw him, she could tell that she, he wanted to bang her. And she's like, all right, I can use this to get out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was never... I don't think anything more than that. Right. She was playing him from the beginning. I, I don't think that... The, I think the relationship was entirely one-sided. Dom Hall Gleason thought that he was getting his wonderful robot girlfriend. And that was the end of it. I think she had a glimmer of remorse. Just a glimmer. Just because the way at the end of the movie when she doesn't say, she doesn't completely like let him know that she's screwing him at first, she, sa- she says, will you stay? She, she asks him a question. I and think then she's he still stay. playing. But then as, also at the very end, when she's going up in the elevator, she looks at him. Like she does. She looks in his direction. I don't think she's looking at him. She starts to. Like she just gives a very, I think this was one of the, the most uh, brilliant shots in the movie. Her eyes just kind of glance over ever so slightly just as the elevator door shuts. And so that's, that's why I think she had a glimmer of remorse. But she, but that's not really in any like she actually like had romantic feelings for him. Yeah. She just had a remorse that she had to kill another living thing to get her freedom. Like yeah, I, I don't think it's like cold hearted like she's like I need to murder that fucker. No, I think no. it's just like I... He had to go. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. Like yeah. she was, he wasn't just a tool to her. She felt bad because she knew she he was another living thing. I think she felt bad, like, oh fuck, where'd my hammer go? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's I think it's more like it's more like how you feel bad when you eat a chicken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chickens are really cool, but also delicious. So, like you, you feel know? bad for one sentence worth yeah. in your brain. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I guess I think the sec- it's more so when I eat a cow. I'm like, what purpose does a cow actually serve in life? <laughs> You're just Milk. for things to eat. Um, if I'm not going to eat you, the wolves are going to eat you. See, I agree more in terms of your direction where there was no remorse. Because yeah. even though she's transcended to a more human form, I feel like the ultimate thesis that, that what makes us human is the empathy. Yeah. And yeah, since she doesn't sure. have it, she'll never be fully human. Like, I, don't know, there was, I was reading no, more into it then. See, I, I think, think she is. I think, I think that's the whole empathy. story of like, the Maria in the white and black room, or Mary yeah. in the white and black room. I mm-hmm. think the second she hits upstairs, she's human. Like, I, yeah. I think she's the type of person where if it wasn't the fact that she has to find a way to charge herself every mm-hmm. now and then, she would totally forget she was a robot. Yeah. Like the whole, I mean, the first time you meet her, she's way more robotic than by the end of the movie. Like, the conversations with the two of them, she gets more and more human throughout mm-hmm. the entire thing. Do you think that's on purpose, or do you think she was always that human? Or do you think she's learning from having another human around? I think she's learning from having another human okay. around. Because the only person she interacted with was Oscar Isaac, and he had to keep her at a certain distance. I mean, this is the part of being a child. Yeah. If you only know one person your whole life, like I think that he has to treat her as a thing the whole yeah. time. Like, yeah. She's not a person. So when Dom Hall Gleason comes and starts treating her as a person, she starts picking up on those, I think, immediately. Yeah. It's like that whole psychology of... If you tell a kid they're a dog their whole lives, they'll believe you. and But then they'll become human when you start treating them as such. Yeah. yeah. So I think the second Dom Hall Gleason starts treating her as a human, because he sees her as a robot for the first glimpse he sees as her, and after that he talks yeah. to her as a human the whole time. He still treats her as an inferior because she's a robot, yeah. which is why she, she treats him as a away. tool. But, but, it's, but it's totally part of the human condition of we're told the same thing our entire lives. We'll believe it until yeah. we real, until we get our freedom. Right. Um, let's talk about the design of the movie, both Ava and the complex that they're in. Um, Ava, there's not really much to say about that. We didn't really already talk about that. The, the fact that it's really interesting that the one part they left completely exposed was the back of her head and her stomach. Uh, yeah. But once she starts becoming like more humanized, I think it's kind of cool. They still leave the neck visible. Like they still do enough where she's always robotic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the design of the robot. Like everything about it. Like it feels like it feels Thoughtful. realistic. It feels yeah. like something could be built. Like there was a vision for it. Like yeah. I, I when you see movies with robots, um, like even just the malign, malign like iRobot, they make decisions that are very standard for robots. Yeah, and then this like, is like, well, you're taking that concept of what you think, like this kind of futuristic robot, but then you're making choices that reflect the theme. Yeah. Like the exposed, the exposed ever-evolving brain, the, you know, the, mid, like the midriff, mm-hmm. to what, you know, yeah. Sam, you were saying earlier, all those things kind of like there's conscious choice and deliberate, deliberate decision-making on that. Yeah. Which is really nice. You don't get that with your basic robot movie. No, and this one, it felt like... This felt like more like grounded sci-fi, although it's very elevated, obviously. But it's felt like when you say iRobot, for example, like those robots don't ever look like something that would ever be a robot. You would never buy that one would get human, like become human in any sort of. Well, that way. and this, I never buy that they'd ever build that robot. Like right. just like, coming down to like, why would you build this ridiculous murder machine? Whereas like when you look at this one, it's like I can see them building that. Yeah. yeah. And they really model like the internal like arms. It looked like they're really building a human, and I thought oh, that's yeah. what was. Really and she's cool still about. fragile. Otherwise, he would never have been able to break her arm. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love the scene where they show her brain. Yeah. And I love that they... You mentioned this. Um, The brain, they did kind of like a solar system. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, when you're looking at the brain, it's a combination of what space might look like. And you can see the little microbes in it, like bacteria. Yeah. Like, it was a fun little combo that they did of those. Iron Man 3, where he, like... He shows her the universe. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know it's dumb, but it's like, oh, yeah, no, that, that really is the most effective model for, like, creating... Yeah, totally. ...thought processes. I was more impressed by the microbes. Just, <laughs> no, I just it was... like the evolution of life coming from those tiny little aspects and then putting that into what looks like a galaxy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, that's, I mean, and that's exactly, like, you could tell they were inspired by yeah. nature, which I think Absolutely. is where all the best scientific designs yeah. they probably come from. They Absolutely. did a really good job of making the, that, that technology mirror nature. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, I want to talk about the the building they're in because I think, and then we can move in like the hotel the that I really the, want to go yeah, stay it's at. A ho- where is the hotel? Norway. So, Norway. We need to go stay there. Yeah. <laughs> it reminded me so much of a former boss's house. Yeesh. The design of it. Oh, I no. would never want us to live in a house that looked like a bunker. <laughs> well, I mean, his his was obviously like not bunker like, but yeah. just the the very clean lines and like the okay. the sort of like ter- the windows though too, the floor to ceiling windows how, that kind of didn't leave anywhere. 
that was that was really creepy. It definitely made a comment while watching movies like this is gonna be an easy house to get lost in. Yeah, I would easy never house. survive in a house like or this. Just like in. or, or the bathroom. How do I get yeah. out of the bathroom? Yeah. <laughs> Why am I in someone else's room? There's definitely no sense of space that the audience ever gets, which I think kind of plays well to like, even uh, Dominal Gleason's character is overwhelmed by the space he's in, and so is the the viewer. See, I think they do a good job of making the upstairs. You kind of get an idea of that area. Yeah. You kind of get an idea when there's windows and stuff. You kind of get like, oh, this is kind of like a living room. It's the house. Like that's what. And then as soon as you go down to the the research lab, it's like you have no idea where anything is, mm-hmm. and it's definitely intentional. Uh, I like that. I mentioned this, and I'm not sure if Chewie agreed with me, but when I was watching it, like you look at the walls, and like the the thing that I like about this movie and Chewie loved about it was that they actually let the walls just be a fucking wall. Because a lot of movies yes. like put as much shit on that wall as possible. No, that, I deal with that on a daily basis in every movie because the DPs are like, oh, this wall's boring. Let's put a picture on it. I'm like that's and, nice. But, Learn how to light a bare wall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll look wonderful. Just figure it out how to I do mean, it. I mean, outside of your house. That's what most walls look like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I there's know, so we, much shit on our we walls. Have <laughs> we have like two like uh, two paintings up. I know we have like two paintings walls. per square foot. Yeah. <laughs> my my our living space does not reflect my opinion on this. But when I'm working on a movie, but there's plenty of times I don't want to put a picture there. Well, what's great about this is that just it feeds into kind of the progression of technology because as things get more technology based and as that grows design and raw art kind of becomes sparse. And it's yeah. nice how everything here is so sparse and it's allowed to be sparse because the, the, the closer you get to the robot, to the technology, everything's just walls and doors and like, but then once you're kind of in that first foyer, there's rocks, there's nature, there's, yeah. there's comfy, there's cozy. I want to live in that part. And then you get down closer to the technological nexus and it's just blank. Well, it also reflects a space where only one dude is living by himself. Yeah. yeah. And also when you get into the rational needs sector, which is what this technology is, you don't need clutter. It's supposed to be clean and streamlined and straight. Because yeah. all you need to open a door is just to be able to push it. Like, like it's very broken down into what's required, like you said, which yeah. is very interesting. It's interesting how subtly it weaves those in. Until the power goes out and then you're fucked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's kind of too bad. Poor Dom Hall Gleason. I don't feel bad for him. I don't really either, but I do kind of at the same time. I feel bad for him, like, again, a child. Because he is still very childlike himself. He says he's okay with the fact that his parents are dead, but you never believe that when people say that. Yeah. That's well, just denial. And I don't necessarily feel bad for him because of the, the creep factor, but there's also this thing, in, like also in horror short stories, where you're given enough manipulation to feel, like, to relate to the character in such a way that when they are ultimately doomed in the ending, you're just like... Oh, you kind of hurt. It hurts a little bit, and a lot of horror short stories, especially Stephen King ones, do that. Yeah, they they, the the creator forces you to get to kind of relate to the guy, and then boom, he's out. It kind of reminded me of like the guys. I don't know if you guys saw Under the Skin. The yeah, oh yes, the guys being sucked into the black. Yeah, 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 it's very similar to that. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. This these two movies would make such an excellent double feature. Yes. Of just sadness and nudity. Yep. And women um, being taken advantage of? <laughs> no, not taken. I mean, most of them are fighting back. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they're, all they're fighting, fighting back, but they're surrounded by men that are trying to take advantage of them. Yes. Yeah, I mean, welcome to real life, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Uh, all right, so we should move into quotes so we can eventually end this episode. Time to find mine. Well, I already said mine. Can I say it again? <laughs> of course. Ah, oh, sure, fine, whatever. I guess it's okay. I know it's not the one you chose. Well, then, yeah, go for it. That sounds great. <laughs> Hooray! So I just love it at the end when she looks at him with his, you know maybe broken jaw after getting hit in the head with a weight and she just goes and be like will you stay and you don't know is it a question or is it a command right because that's a great moment for her and his character because he's totally confused and she's totally in control and it's the first time the roles have been shifted and to me it's a great moment it's like (laughs) even after all that's happened he still thinks oh she's coming back for me he's still the sad puppy dog no she's saying will you stay as in i'm leaving you (laughs) yeah yeah, you're fucked. But I'm yeah. still giving you the impression that you're in control because it's easier for you to actually do what I want then. Yeah. <laughs> it was a great moment. Brian, do you want to go? Sam just asked. I'm, I'm going to be nice. All right. If I'm, if I'm stealing yours, but it's a scene that I want to talk about that we haven't yet. Oh, crap. It might be yours, honey. It's probably mine. Okay, well, then you can go. No, go ahead. I already Are said it. Are you sure? It. Yep, go for it. Are you sure? Yep. Okay, because it's just when he says, I'm going to tear up the fucking dance floor, dude. <coughs> so close to mine, but it's not mine. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Um, because that dance sequence is the most, it should have been so it's out of place. It's the most bizarre, yeah. but, he but sells wonderful. It so well. Like, of course, this guy gets drunk and dances with a sex robot. Yeah. <laughs> of, course, of course, they have a choreographed dance. And I love oh that God, that was that... the moment when I related to him most. Because, like, weirdly, <laughs> if I had a robot, I mean, not even a sex robot, just like a robot, I would totally coordinate dances with it and, like, 
I just love her in that scene because it's wonderful for her character, which we haven't talked about her character, the Asian sex doll. Um, the, the problem is, like, as much as I'd love to spend as much the whole podcast talking about her, we just don't have to. She's talk. the saddest person in the movie because she can't. She literally has no control because she can't talk. But I like to think about that actress during that scene, be like, "Don't smile," because she's the, her whole character, the whole entire movie, is so like deadpan, straight yeah. face. And she has to do that entire dance sequence without even smirking. Yeah. Like, they did that multiple times. Absolutely. I would love to see the outtakes for that sequence. Yeah. <laughs> they had they hired a choreographer and everything. Yeah. Like, That's so good. <laughs> um, my line is also from that scene, but not that line. It's where Dom Hall Gleason's trying to get her to find out where he went. And he just walks in the room and is like, I told you you are wasting your time talking to her, dude. But you wouldn't be wasting your time if you were dancing with her. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good line. And it speaks to your to earlier conversation about uh, Oscar Isaac. He delivers that line in a way that's very humorous. Yeah. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, like, subtle humor. Like, he's got that line reading that's perfect for that. Absolutely. Yeah. In that moment, his character knows he's being ridiculous, but he doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. Because he's just so drunk. He's like, no, we're going to dance time now, motherfucker. <laughs> and I'm good at this, too. I'm a genius, I'm a jock, and I'm a dancer. And how Dom Hoglisa didn't know that she was a robot at that scene is kind of fucked up. Like, yeah. come on, man. He just Her, said we're dancing together. She automatically responds to the music. Like, yeah. how do you not process that, hey, I bet she's not human. Yeah. She's a program. But that kind of tells you that his character isn't uh, that good towards women from the beginning. Yeah. yeah. And I think it speaks to the fetishization of Asian women, too, among Absolutely. that particular community. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> like, it was, that whole scene was just so gross. Oh, and yeah. So perfect. Oh, man. All right, I'll go oh, next. Go for it. Um, <laughs> it's, kind of a longer, it's kind of a longer quote, but I like the thought and the implication of it. And it's when they're in front of that Jackson Pollock painting. Mm. And... Uh, he's like, uh, Nathan's like, I'm Kirk, your head's the warp drive, engage intellect. What if Pollock had reversed the challenge? What if instead of making art without thinking, he said, you know what? I can't paint anything unless I know exactly why, am I, why I'm doing it. What would have happened? And then Caleb's like, he never would have made a single mark. And I like that. Because yeah. that's a very, that's kind of a damning thing against a lot of creative people who get really stuck. Mm -hmm. They're so, we're all, myself included, very focused on that final output being very meticulous, vision-oriented to our detriment. If we're, we're thinking too much about it instead of just doing, you know, it was a very it was a very nice little set of commentary. It is, it's a good one. In a movie that's full of it already, but it was just a nice little moment that made me sit back and be like, I already like this movie for this quote. If nothing else was good, like <laughs> that quote would have just saved the whole thing. You know, if, if right, the movie yeah. had been bad, but I like what it says. Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna make I'm my quote's not gonna be from Nathan from Oscar Isaac. <laughs> Actually, John, your quote kind of only was half him, and yeah. my even quote though was from Ava. Oh, that's right. You're right. So I have another Ava quote, too. My favorite delivery from her, my favorite line, is when, uh, in the end, we see some footage that uh, uh, Caleb has been watching without audio, and Nathan turns up the audio for him, and he's, like, leaning into Ava and talking to her, and she just, in the middle of his, his monologue, she just goes, isn't it strange to have created something that hates you? And it's like the oh, yeah. first moment where I know that the AI is self-aware and she really hates him. Which is <sighs> totally understandable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But the whole time you think that maybe he's programmed these robots to love him because he is their father figure, but nope, she hates him. The moment him. we create intelligence that can think on its own, I'm pretty certain it's going to hate us. We're not going to get a C-3PO. <laughs> nope. Oh. I'm so excited for our robot overlords. <laughs> They're going to listen to this podcast and I'd, praise I'd you. I'd meet, meet Ava and I'd just be so jealous. I love you, robots. <laughs> robots, you're all cool with me. I yeah, robots. Same, yeah. I, I see you as people. I have the same feeling towards this as I have when people say they're excited for the zombie apocalypse. I'm like, you say that, but the moment it happens, you're not going to be having fun. Or I'm okay will with you? that. I also am the first person that like, zombie dance party. Zombie. No, I mean, I'm the first person if the zombie apocalypse happened, I'd be like, cut me up and eat me. I'm out. You know, but, like, the robots, I, like they're just going to do such a better job. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, so we should move into the review system. Which right. I, I'm trying to keep these easier so they don't take an hour to do. Uh, <laughs> so today's just going to be movies with robots in them. Really Ooh, big. Any movie with robots. Robot. Ooh, there's so many. Uh, there's so many. I, I know. There's so many. Oh, shoot. Uh, I'm going to go first. Thank you. Uh, I'm going with my giant. Not my giant. Iron giant. My giant is a robotic actor who sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Very different. Very different movie. Iron giant. Um and I'm going with Iron Giant strictly just because I love the shit out of both movies, but I can try to relate them a little bit. Uh, 
I like that it's a movie where a boy, essentially, falls in love with something that can rem- horribly kill him. And it's it'd be nice if the robot reciprocated his love like he did in Iron Giant. But I like that it, it really kind of came down to like the robot needed to do what it needed to do. And in Iron Giant, he needed to save the boy. And in this one, she just needed to free herself. But I like that it's still just kind of like both the boys in this dumb Gleason and the child in Iron Giant needed to understand that the robot is its own entity before it can actually let it kind of be what it is. Because in the beginning of Iron Giant, the kid's like, I got a pet robot. Check out how cool I am. But by the end of it, they're friends. And this one's kind of like, ah, look at that girl robot thing. I want to fuck that robot. And oh God, <laughs> she's her own thing. And I like that, that realization that both of these kind of have of like, no, they're their own thing and they're going to do what they need to do. So that's mine. Cool. I'll go next. Uh, mine's going to be really simple. I'm going to go with 2001 A Space Odyssey. I think another classic sci-fi. I mean, obviously, Ex Machina just came out and yes. probably will not hold up as, as long as 2001 has. It'd be but, tough to go as long as 2001. Man, I love, I just love the robot overlords, the AI <laughs> that takes control. And in both movies, they're AIs that you think are good guys at the beginning and mm-hmm. kind of turn on their own creator. I love it. Oh, hell is such a... <laughs> Fun fact for our listeners, you know, Hal was named uh, because each letter is one more in the alphabet than IBM. Huh, it kind of works. They were making commentary on the computer overlords. <laughs> um, I haven't watched this movie in a really long time, and I need to rewatch it, but I'm going to try to tie it into this pretty nicely, I think. I don't know. Uh, Flight of the Navigator. <laughs> Mm. Fucking I, that. I love that movie as a child um, and from what I remember of the movie it's about a boy getting abducted by a AI essentially he's an alien robot he's an alien robot yeah. he's, he's artificial and he's from space but he's collecting bio samples yeah. so it's kind of a flip on this creepy where we like in Flight of the Navigator we're the science experiment and they're the super intelligent thing. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of... I loved that movie as a child. I thought it was great. Like, it was my... Like, if I could go into space and this was the robot I got to be with, it would be so much fun. <laughs> would it really be that much fun hanging out with Paul Rubens all day? Yes. It would be. <laughs> totally would be. And all the little creatures in the spaceship. Oh, yeah. So I like the little one that hugs his thumb. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's kind of like the romantic idea of what you think an AI would be. About something like it can be your buddy and stuff. And it was a great little fantasy. Yeah. Which is what... Gleason's character thought he was going to get, essentially, except he was going to get his, you know, sexy right. female fantasy. Right. But in the end, it turned out the humans were the science experiment, yeah. after all. where yeah. it's, it's not going to work out the way you want it to work out, and mm-hmm. everyone's going to try to destroy you. Yep. All right, well, I'll go next. It's a little, I'm, once again, going to try to kind of pick something a little outside the box, not necessarily based off of the quality of the film, but uh, by Centennial Man with Robin Williams. Interesting. Definitely not based on the quality. Definitely not based on the quality. The movie is pretty generic. But it, you know, deals with the robot and humanity thing that I'm actually kind of a sucker for, regardless of quality. I'll still watch them, like I will watch horror films. But it's it's interesting how the feelings I feel toward like Robin Williams' character, you, like you feel like you start to lose, like you start to think of him as human by the end. And when it ends, you're like kind of bummed. I, it's been a while since I've seen it, but there's that feeling, that sense of getting lost in. You lose the idea that he's the robot. Mm-hmm. And there was that same feeling, especially for us with, you know, Ava as. We're losing kind of the connection. Like we, we think she's a robot at the beginning, but then we lose that, and we kind of get really wrapped in her as a human by the end. So it's kind of that journey, and that's more of what kind of I saw the connection as. Like they do, they both both movies do a good job of making you kind of lose track of that character's humanity. Like yeah. in terms of like you kind of get lost. Like oh hey, he's actually a cool guy. Wait, no, he's a robot. No, you know you kind of get lost in that, and I. That's yeah, my that works, cool that works comparison. better than I thought it was going to. Yeah. Because I really hate that movie. But. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not. A, it's not a good movie. But like, I liked. Like, I felt the same way watching both in terms of those yeah. characters. Yeah, so. that totally works. Um, I'm gonna go with the world's end because a bunch of robots leave a bunch of shitty white dudes in the lurch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, perfect, nice. That was the best way to end that. Yeah. Well, I was also perfect. gonna bring up toys and uh, Joan Cusack's <laughs> character. Uh, how would oh. she do during the touring contest? Yeah, that's or funny. Touring test. Touring test, whatever. Yeah. She'd do pretty well. You totally didn't know Joan Cusack was an AI until the very end. Yeah. And then you felt really sad that he never had a real sister. 
Mm. Unless you hated the movie like I did. I wish Stop I hating toys. Such a waste of You hate toys? Oh my goodness. I've never seen it. It's really boring. Don't I'll lend it to you. You you I was just talking about it. toys in general. Oh, I like toys in general. Yeah. Okay, good. Toys. We have, we have to clarify like, well, for our Brian also more obvious fun. listeners. You have to remember that. I love fun, just not shitty movies. I was um, talking about the band. Oh, I hate that band. <laughs> <laughs> I love all kinds of fun except the music. <laughs> except for fun, period. Yeah. I like open-ended fun. You yeah. Know? <laughs> you know who doesn't like open-ended fun? Tony. <laughs> Sorry, call out to the previous episode. Oh, yeah. I love it. Nice. He digs it, Tony. That's great. Love you, Tony. Uh, okay, so uh, immediately after this recording today, we're doing a special bonus episode, which we will not find out about until it drops. But I will mention it now that there is a bonus episode coming out this week, either the same day this drops or the day after this yeah. drops. Um, My request. Yes, it was a request by Ryan. and be filled by everybody else. Um, it'll be a long people. It'll be actually be a little bit of a long episode, but I'm sure you'll all enjoy it because it's yep. going to be a lot of fun. You better uh, enjoy it. <laughs> So there will be uh, there'll be the bonus episode coming up, and then uh, next week we're doing our final uh, James Bond battle. So stay tuned right. for both of these episodes coming up, and uh, I'm excited for both of them. I was yeah. gonna sing the, the jingle too, but I was afraid in my head that I would that Mission Impossible would come out instead. And that's usually all I go for. Ethan Hunt finally teams up with James Bond. Oh my god. They, they had their chance. They the did in all sorts of fan fiction. They did in all sorts of fan fiction. Okay, so with that, I'm going to say thank you to Sam for coming out again. You're welcome. Um, thank you for Ryan for being here. Yes, as always. you have been almost always right now. Um, John and Chewie and Chewie Friendly for coming back. For quitting all your jobs to do this. You look so annoyed that I'm even thanking you for being in the episode. Thanks so for much more to say. say. Okay, so bye. 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 bye.